everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. Okay, it is after Thanksgiving, right? Merry Christmas, Discovery. Yes, we can say it now. For those of you that have been listening to holiday music on the radio for the past couple weeks, shame on you, but you're okay now. It's, you're fine now. It is Christmas time. And for those of you that have been like, ah, actually, it's not Christmas time until we get to Christmas Day, uh, I would humbly submit to you here in the church we celebrate a season called Advent. And you got to hear about it on the screen just now. Part of the way we celebrate that is by highlighting our local and global partners. Um, but, but Christmas is this wonderful time of year. And you may be coming in in any state uh, this year, coming into Christmas. Maybe this has been an absolutely brutal year. And as we journey as a church through these next four or five weeks, I just want you to know, we're going to have a couple points where we're really going to be diving into not just this everything's bright, shiny, happy, slap on a Merry Christmas face, but engaging like there's this guttural piece, this, this like, this is hard. We're sledging through hard things this time of year. So if you're like, I don't know if I can handle a church where all we do is shine everything up and, and polish it and put lights on, just, just know, like, I think this is a place where we're, we're real and I think we, we can address there's hardness in the world, and we can worship even in the midst of hardness. But as we come into today, we're introducing this new series that we're going to be in just for this, these next five weeks of Advent, and it's around this idea of Christmas lights. And I don't know about you, when I was a kid, one of my kids, Deacon, just asked yesterday, hey, this year for Christmas, when they get all the lights up, can we go to those houses where they queue up the music and the lights on their house, and it's all going berserk all at the same time? I was like, do you want to do that? And he's like, yes. And I was like, then yes, we are going to do that. Christmas lights are so much fun. It's just something about the season that they bring. And so we'll be looking each week at just a different facet of what this light is that comes in this Christmas time. But to do that and to set our stage today, if you're new to this idea of Advent, these four weeks that lead up to Christmas morning, let me introduce you a little bit to what Advent is. If you were just to look this up in the dictionary, you would see the following. Uncapitalized, this is a word that we can use at any time for just about anything. You can talk about the advent of spring or for those of you that love talking about the advent of pasteurization. I just want you to have permission. You're using the word properly. But advent at, at its core really means this idea of arrival or this idea of coming. It's this anticipation or this celebration of something that has already come. Now, in the Christian church, we would say it's the period four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And some people observe this with prayer and fasting. There's all different ways that you can engage this, but there's just this sense of Jesus, Jesus is coming. Like his birth, his birth is right on the doorstep. What do we do to, to celebrate that? What do we do to get ready? I, I don't know about you, but in our home for Thanksgiving, when we have guests coming over, we prepare for that. We prepare food. We clean things. Like there, there's just this sense of anticipation of like this, a guest is about to arrive. And for the next four weeks, we get to anticipate the coming of, of this guest. Now, the other thing that is super fun about Advent is that it's not just a hyper focus on just this baby that's coming in a manger, although that is part of it. 
but there's a sense, and you can even see it, this is Merriam-Webster that's defining this. There's also this sense of the second coming of Jesus. There's this time that Jesus talked about where he said, I, I came, I died on the cross, I was resurrected, I'm going to heaven for a time, and then I'm coming back. And when I come back, it will be the final finishing of all things, and it will be good. And so there's this sense as we celebrate Advent and as we celebrate this baby in a manger, there's this second sense of we're anticipating another coming and we're so excited. Get the house ready. But then I think if we scale all the way back and go, okay, hang on a second. If, if Advent, if this season that we're in right now is really intended to be this time of how do you prepare for when God comes to earth? It seems wildly appropriate to me to, to look at when are times when God has come to earth and what's happened when that event has occurred. We're going to be um, letting our eyes do a lot of the work today. I think most Sundays when you're with us, your ears are doing a lot of the work and your brain is always going to be involved. I hope your heart and your soul are always involved. But today as I was preparing for this, something just felt right about like we're preparing for Christmas. We, we come just be a kid with me. And like, and we're post Thanksgiving. Can we just let our hair down and, and enjoy and, and play a little bit? Will you go there with me today? We're gonna let our eyes do some of the work. And to introduce this first video clip of three that I'm gonna show you today, I want you to consider this question. When was the first time that God came to earth? Can you think of it? Can you think of all the idea and the culture that went behind it? What was his heart like? What was his tone like? And if you're struggling to remember, when was that? When would that have been? It's at an event, it's captured in the Bible right at the beginning, Genesis 1. And there's a group out of Australia that have captured this really beautifully. Check this out. Long before I made the earth, I decided to make some friends. This is good. 
I love it! Oh, wait, wait, some of that. Uh, one of these, uh, some more of that. Oh, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. No, don't stop, I love it! Okay, oh yeah, oh, oh, oh. oh wow. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, it's one of these! I've always wanted one of these! Oh, the love that. Oh, this is good! So we're going to let our eyes do some of the work this morning for us today. I hope this is a gift for you post-Thanksgiving. Uh, also, on the screen behind me as we go throughout today, I, I love art. And when you get bored listening to me, I would love for this piece of art to be on the screen behind me. This is by a Ukrainian artist. Um, and this is called The Creation of the World. Our text today is Genesis 1. And uh, she's an iconographer, uh, she's, and she's looking to modernize the idea of iconography. But uh, Luba Yashtiv uh, is, is this artist's name. She's amazing. Um, let this instruct your mind and your heart and your soul also as we go throughout the day. Our text today is Genesis 1. Have you ever thought of creation like that? Like, God just having a grand time. Just like, can you believe that? Watch that. Look what I can do over here. And at every turn, he's going, that is good. That is good. That is good. This is the story of Genesis 1. This is where it all begins. When was the first time that God encountered earth? This is what it looked like. Oh, it's beautiful. And if we're going to jump in, if we, if we could just capture just a moment of this story, we can capture it right out of the beginning. We'll just read the first five verses together. It goes like this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. We're just looking at the small little sliver of the picture today. But if there's a nugget that I would want you to pick up just from this little tiny piece of text that we just read together, it would be this. When it talks about God beginning creation, the earth was a formless void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. We read this in our text and our tone today, and I think sometimes we can improperly, I don't, I don't think this is how the original audience would have read it, we, we, we say there is nothing there. According to Genesis 1, there's stuff around, but there's a major problem with the stuff. It's a formless void. There's darkness everywhere. And if you're an ancient reader, if you're an ancient writer, if you're coming from an ancient culture, you would be reading this and, and, and you'd be going, yes, because, because it doesn't have a function. Nothing does anything yet. Nothing has been given a name. In our modern culture today, we would say something exists when it materializes. When there's molecules, when, the, when there's something physically present, then something exists. But to an ancient culture, they go, no, just because something's there doesn't mean that it exists. It needs to have a purpose. 
And, and its purpose will be called out by its name. If it doesn't have a name and if it doesn't have a purpose, frankly, it just doesn't exist for us. It's a totally different way of thinking for our culture today, but that's exactly how they would have read it here. The, the Hebrew word, this was originally written in, this formless void was tohu vavohu. Things didn't have a purpose. Things were just floating around. It's this, it's this idea of like a desert. Like there's just, there's nothing happening. There's nothing there. It's better translated, it didn't do anything. Darkness is what's there, but it didn't have a function before this moment because God creates light and all of a sudden he calls the light day and the darkness he calls night. You get that? He gives them names and he separates them and all of a sudden the darkness that was there before, it now exists for these readers because now the darkness has a purpose. The darkness is there to be held in tension with the light and the light is there for this reason of creating a sense of time we talked at the beginning of this calendar year, I love that we're ending this calendar year talking about Genesis 1, because time to God and time to the story of the Bible is a holy, holy topic. What you do with your time, how you experience time, oh, it matters so much. And right out of the gate, God says, we're going to create time, and these two things now have a function we would read light here as something physical, that it would be like a visible light, something that comes from the sun. But the ancients would have thought about it a little bit differently. Because if you've ever been outside on a super cloudy day, you can still have light without having it directly from the sun, at least from an Earth's standpoint. They would say light exists, and, and the sun and the moon, they're just bearers of the light, but they're not the essence of it. There's something more to what light is in and of itself. And that ultimately is something that began in God. After he makes light, we get this whole other creation story. At the end, we get this crowning jewel of creation. God creates a man and a woman, and he invites them to rule over the earth. And he walks with them and he talks with them, and he is with them. What happened the first time that God came down to earth? He walked around with us. He had this perfect relationship, this direct connection. When we celebrate Christmas, this time of year, this, this season of Advent, if this is the first story that we tell, there's this sense of this is what's right. This is what we anticipate. How do we clean the house? What food, do we what food do we prepare? We prepare for something like this. We prepare for a creator. Somebody who the whole time is going, watch this, watch this, this is good. Boom, out of nothing. It's amazing. But as you know the story, and again, for those of you that are coming and going, if this is just one big happy clappy thing, I don't know that that feels real. Be comforted because the story is not just some big happy clappy slap a smile on it type of a story. Something happens after this. And we're gonna let our eyes do some of the work today. Check this out. And the creator made man by his side woman, father and mother of us all. He gave them a choice. 
follow the temptation of darkness or hold on to the blessing of light. They ate from the forbidden fruit. Their innocence is extinguished. And so for the 10 generations since Adam's sin has walked within us. Brother against brother. Nation against nation. Man against creation. We murdered each other. We broke the world, we did this. Man did this. Everything that was beautiful, everything that was good, we shattered. Now, it begins again. So, you may, as you're coming into the Christmas, feel a little bit more resonance with this kind of an idea. The world's messed up, man. You might be sitting there going, you don't know what's happened in my life this year. You don't know that the ways that I've experienced the world around me. You don't know the struggles I had. Or, or frankly, we may just be in a place of going, have you read a stinking newspaper lately? Things are not okay. Things are broken. And in this season of Advent, I think there really is a wonderful but difficult invitation to consider. This first clip this God who's going, watch this, watch this, this is amazing, it's perfect, it's good, it's good, it's good. And we're looking around going, it's not good. Look how messed up and broken everything is. What do we do with this? I think if you're a human being who's paying attention, the second clip is one that you go, yeah, that, that feels about right. Things are messed up in this world. Are they ever gonna be fixed? Is there ever a way where things can be whole again? Could I be in a place someday where I could walk around pointing at things going, it's good, it's beautiful, it's good? Or will it always just be this, this season of it's death and it's shattered and it's broken and it's ugly? I think some of the invitation of Advent for you this year, if you're willing to take the dare, is to look that frustration and that brokenness right in the face and tell it the story that's been told since the dawn of time. God came down and the very first time he created beautiful things. He was with us and it was glorious. And then things were broken and then he left forever, forever so that things could burn in a dumpster fire. That's not the story. Things broke. This happened. Cain and Abel, these two brothers in the Garden of Eden, I mean, th everything just, it seemingly devolves unless we keep reading the story. And in this season of Advent, we remember God came down and he called it beautiful. And then it broke and then he stayed involved. He goes on in these stories to do incredible things. 
he gets this little tiny beat up nation called Israel and we get the entire Old Testament from their story of him being intimately involved in everything that they're about. We just finished our season on the book of Matthew but at some point he sends his son, his one and only son Jesus to set everything right. And the entire time, the God who created everything, the God who said, this is good and right, I will be with you, comes down in the form of a man whose name is Emmanuel, who means I am with you. And in the season of Advent, the story that we get to tell is that the story is not yet done. And that this God who created, he's not just a creator God, He's a restorer God as well. We're gonna let our eyes do some of the work. To set up this scene a little bit, for those of you that have never seen Toy Story, at this point in the story, Woody's been roughed up quite a bit by a kid named Andy who he loves. At this point in the story, his arm has been ripped off. And this toy is about as roughed up as you can make a toy but then he meets a restorer. And as you watch this, I want you to consider everything that you hold that you go, this is broken, and this is dirty, and this is ugly. And I want you to consider what it would be like to put that back in front of the creator, restorer of you, and let him do what he does. Check this out. Oh, thank goodness you're here. Is this specimen ready for cleaning? So, uh, how long is this going to take? You can't rush art. display only. You handle him too much, he's not gonna last. Oh, it's amazing! You're a genius! He's just like new! He's just like new. First time that God came down to earth. He went, wow, look at this. Beautiful, awesome, amazing, good. Then something happened. 
And the story of Advent, the story that we inherit, the hope that we look ahead in this Christmas season with is also a hope that reaches behind to what's already happened. He is still in the business of creating and forming and recreating and reforming and he is not done with you yet. Wherever there are places where you're looking around going, man, there are things in me that are functionally useless. There are things in this world that just seem beyond repair and so messed up. There, there are things that need to be given a name so that they can be healed, so that they can be put in order, so that they can be made right. The first story that we're given of God coming to earth is exactly this story. We are not celebrating a God who creates once like a clockmaker and he winds it up and he steps away. This is a story of a God who's intimately involved in everything. We celebrate on Advent the story of a reformer, one who takes something that was once good and while it's still good, it has become soiled and broken and bent and he lovingly and tenderly puts everything back together to how it was supposed to be. You'll even shine your shoes. At Christmas, we recognize that God is not just commanding from somewhere far above, but that he's come down. And he's in our midst right now, doing what he's always done. How does that make you feel? Is there excitement in that? Is there, is there fear? Is there relief? As we prep for Christmas, let not the exhilaration of a Christmas list or even the goodness of family or friends being together be the thing that your heart longs for the most. May you wait with all the anticipation of a broken, dirty, bent masterpiece waiting for its creator to come back and to smile at it and to speak over it the words, you can't rush art and then to lovingly set to work, to set out, to bring it back to the goodness it was always meant to be. I'm gonna welcome the band back out with one final thought in the midst of all this. The story of Genesis 1 does continue, and God says some pretty provocative things to these, this first couple that he creates. We'll catch up to it in verse 26. God says this, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He did not create Adam and Eve to be good just for goodness sake. We are meant to reflect God's image to the world around us. And in preparation for Advent this year, one distinct question that the story could invite you to consider is, where are you invited to reflect God to the world around this year? This God who creates, 
this God who calls things good, who participates in the healing of broken things, who is radically generous, both with who he is as well as what he has. How can you reflect that to the world around as you prepare? So, Merry Christmas. And may there be a deepening sense of Advent in you. To be in this spirit is to be a person of hope and restoration. Somebody who can look around and see the darkness and the dirt and say, this cannot be all that there will be. Not only will I pray and consider and continue to tell a story that's been told since the dawn of time, I will be in it and I will reflect his image in it and I will bear goodness and the light of Christmas in it. You are made in the image of God. And to celebrate Advent, to celebrate his coming back to earth, and to live a new life experiencing God's presence right here with you right now. That's what you're made for. Merry Christmas. Live with an expectation because he's coming back. Let's sing.